Hey, great to have everybody in the overflow downstairs. Great to have everybody watching via live stream today. We're so glad. Now, I want you to take out your smartphones, and I want you to go on Instagram, Twitter. I want you to twi Twitter to uh, President Trump. You should be at Bethlehem Assembly of God. This is the place to be. Amen. I want you to go on Facebook, and I want you to, I want you to put in Facebook, there's still time to come to Bethlehem of God to hear a great sermon, all right? I want to continue my series entitled, Lost Some Things Get Lost Along the Way. And I want to tell you that God has been saying some strong things to me as your pastor. And I, I have never watered down what God wanted me to say, and I'm not going to do it this morning. I'm going to give you a strong word. Get ready. Put your seatbelts on because I believe God is about to do something powerful amongst our young people in this country. I believe that God is raising up a generation of Joshua's. I believe that God is raising up a generation of Esther's. I believe that God is raising a generation of young men and women that they're going to say, I'm so sick and tired of what Hollywood and the media has to offer me. I'm going to go for something that has meaning, that has depth. I'm going to go, I'm going to embrace something that has foundation to it. I'm going to embrace integrity. I'm going to embrace honor. I'm going to embrace glory because I know that God has a plan for my life and I know it's big. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. I want you to turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 to 5. 2 Peter 1, 2 to 5. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to a life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Everybody say virtue. That God called us by his glory and his virtue. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. So that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in this world through evil desires or desires that are not God's desires as Paul says lust but also verse 5 for this very reason giving all diligence add to your faith moral excellence or add to your faith virtue everybody say Virtue. Everybody say virtue is a great word. Everybody say virtue is a glorious word. So Peter says that you've been saved or you, your name's been written in the Lamb's book of life because of the grace of God. Listen to me. You are saved and have eternal life and you're going to heaven if you have embraced Jesus Christ as your Lord, not because you're a good person, 
not because you come to church, not because you read the Bible, not because you pretend to be good on the outside. You are going to heaven by the grace of God, and grace is God giving you what you need when you need it, even though you don't deserve it. You didn't deserve heaven. You don't deserve an entrance into the presence of God, but God gives it to you by his grace. We're saved by grace, not by works through faith, lest any man should boast. It is a gift of God. But Peter says, because of the grace of God that has been given to you, he says, now I want grace and peace to be multiplied through your knowledge of God who saved you through the Lord Jesus Christ because by his divine nature, he has given us a blessing of being a partaker in that divine nature. He wants us to become more like his son. God wants us to become more like Jesus. Everybody say, I want to be like Jesus. And the Bible says, so that we are to add to our faith. We start out with faith. And faith is understanding, is placing our full trust in God alone for eternal life. We understand that. We're saved by grace. We can't earn it. But now he says, you are to add to your faith virtue and then virtue knowledge and so on and so on now he says in second peter chapter one if you do these things you will be fruitful and you will not be ineffective in your knowledge of the gospel so peter tells us that we're to add virtue to our life so this morning i want to continue to talk about things that get lost along the way and i want to talk to you about something that i believe has been lost in america and in a lot of ways, even lost in the church. I want to talk to you about lost virtue. I want to talk to you about lost purity. You see, I know that everyone around you, young person, might be telling you that the secret to happiness, the secret to content and security, the secret of being satisfied in your life is to work really hard get a good job and own a car, a house, and uh, look really good and have nice clothes or be famous or have lots of toys and have a lot of fun and, and find lots of opportunities in your life. But the truth is, I want to tell you that Hollywood and the media has lied to you because the truth is the secret to finding satisfaction in your life, the secret to finding happiness in your life is to find Jesus and live a life of virtue, of moral excellence. Somebody say amen. Listen, I want to tell you, Mick Jagger got it right. He can't find any satisfaction. You will not find satisfaction in all the things that this world has to offer for you. It'll only be found in God and it'll only be found when you build your life on the solid rock of virtue and purity in your life. Why is that so important? Jesus said the wise young person, the wise young lady, young man, the wise man built his house upon the rock. And I want to tell you the rock is Jesus, but it's also moral excellence in your life. And I'm here to tell you today that we've lost moral excellence. 
what this country needs, and I know that there's a lot of people saying that this country needs immigration reform, and we do, and this country needs uh, more employment, and we need lower interest rates, and we need less taxes, and I want to tell you, if you live on Long Island, we need less taxes, but I want to tell you today that the answer is not just finding less taxes. The answer is to find out what pleases the heart of God, what makes us become strong people on the inside out and I want you to know what America really needs is a dose of integrity. It needs a dose of faithfulness. It needs a dose of loyalty. It needs a dose of purity and moral excellence. That's what our nation was built on and that's what we need to go back to. Somebody help me out and say amen. You see young person I'm afraid somebody lied to you. They told you the most important things in life is your image. And everybody looks good on Facebook. Come on, somebody. Everybody looks good on Facebook. It's that nice, you know, you're just going to make sure they get the best side of you. And if there's parts of you that, that you don't want people to see, you just cut it out. You crop it. You know what I mean? And if you've got bags under your eyes or wrinkles or you've got some blemishes, you just go to that thing, you know, that makes it look a little better, you know. And you put a little more color and you take a little color out and you make it a little bit sharper. Or you make it a little bit blurry so that no one can't see. Why? Because they told you that it's all about outward image. But somebody lied to you because it's not about outward. It's about inward. It's about what's on the inside. And the truth is moral excellence really is the key to building your life on a solid foundation. It's virtue. It's moral excellence. It's honesty. Even when it hurts. It's faithfulness. Even when it hurts. It's self-control. Even when you want to be out of control. That's going to help you to build your marriage on a solid foundation it's integrity that's going to help you to get a job listen to me and keep a job it's not about just getting a job because you've got a good resume but it's about impressing your boss every day because you've got the integrity to make sure that you get to, to work on time and you've got the integrity to make sure that you don't cheat or steal from your job you see it's integrity young person that's really going to build your life but I'm afraid that our society today and our country today talks about image. It's all about image. But we need to recognize that long-lasting, strong, persevering, enduring, healthy relationships are always built on the solid rock of respect and honor and dignity. Listen to me. I promise you that God knew what he was doing when he created everything. He knew exactly how to create the world. The Bible says when God created the heavens and the earth, he said it was good. And I want to tell you something. I believe with all my heart. I have a great hope. Listen, I've been hanging around a lot of young adults lately. And the truth is I am so, so filled 
with hope. You know why? Because I know them. And I'm telling you today, I'm filled with confidence and I'm filled with great faith that God is raising up a new breed, a new generation of young people that realize that Hollywood is just a backdrop filled with desperate people looking for meaning, looking for purpose, looking for a true sense of acceptance and real sense of love. And they're recognizing that Wall Street promises success and money and happiness and power, but it leaves you wanting for more. And I believe that God is raising up a new generation of young people that will reject the idols of this world, that will reject the shallowness of materialism and reject the false security of more stuff will make you happy and they're going to embrace something deeper in their life. I believe it. How many believe that today? See, I believe that that they're reclaiming that which was a lost treasure. And I want to talk to you about, young person, reclaiming the lost treasure of purity today. Today I want to talk to you about the virtue of what Jesus calls purity of heart. You see, I believe if there's one virtue that our society has lost is this sense of value for the virtue of purity. You see, the truth is most people in America think that purity is outdated. It's old-fashioned. It's old school, and it's not necessary anymore. But Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. God and no man shall see God without holiness. Now, I'm not talking about an outer form of holiness, so follow me if you would, because I'm talking about an inner perspective, an inner understanding of what it really means to have a pure heart. Now, I want you to recognize who's saying this Jesus, who is 30 years old, he's a Young adult. Listen, these days, a young adult is anybody 18 and through 45. You know what I'm talking about. But Jesus is a young adult. He's a single man. Now, I understand that most of us think that Jesus kind of whizzed through his life and he was never tempted. But I want you to know that Jesus was tempted even greater than you were tempted. Jesus had to go through a barrage of temptation. He was tempted, the Bible says, in every single way, like we are tempted, yet he did not sin. He didn't sin because he submitted himself to the Father. Not my will be done, God, but your will be done. You see, at the very heart of sin is idolatry. At the very heart of sin is I want to do it my way. I don't care your design, God. I don't care about how you planned it out. I have a, a better plan. That's what the devil said to Eve. Did God really say that? Because if you do do this, God knows that you'll become like him. So he appealed to her sense of wanting to be in control. Idolatry. It's always idolatry. It's making us God instead of him God. How many know that God knows exactly what he's doing? 
I want you to raise your hand. If you believe God knows exactly what he's doing, raise your hand. Then why do you live like he doesn't know what he's doing? Why do you twist the scriptures? Why do you compromise what the word of God says? Why do you try to rationalize what the word of God says? If God said it, that settles it. And I'm going to do everything I can to follow it by the grace of God. And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that you and I are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And in the context, Paul is talking about sexual sin. And he's saying, don't join yourself to someone who is of the world. Don't, don't have sex outside of marriage because when you're doing that, you're joining the temple of God with someone else. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is your temple. This is your temple. And the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus... He's a young adult, and he was tempted in every single way like we are tempted. He was tempted with sexual immorality. You, you think he wasn't tempted with sexual immorality? You don't think that there were some hotties that wanted Jesus? Come on. Now, I know that some of you are like, I can't believe he just said that. You better believe Jesus was very attractive to people. He was attracted to people because what he said, man, was so deep. What he said was so wise. He had supernatural power. You don't think that some woman said, hey, boy, I, I want to marry this guy. He'll make me a lot of money. He's got a lot of power. He's moving on up. So he was tempted in every single way like we are tempted, yet without sin. He kept himself pure. And here's what he said. He said, blessed are the pure in heart. Everybody say in heart. For they shall see God. So here Jesus gives us the reason for wanting to be pure in our life. The reason for purity is centered around one very powerful, one very life-changing, life-transforming truth. Jesus said, happy. The word blessed means happy. It means to be content. It means to be fulfilled. It means to be satisfied. He said, the only way that you will find true satisfaction in your life. Listen, Hollywood tells you that the way that you can find satisfaction is jump from one bed to the next bed to the next bed. The way that you can find satisfaction is get more and more and more and more and more. Do whatever you want. But Jesus said the way that you can be satisfied in your life, the way that you can find contentment in your life is through the pathway of purity in your life he said happy is the person who is pure in heart you see the problem with the world is it's so filled with impurity it's so filled with self-centeredness and listen I'm not just talking about the world I'm talking about me all of us in this room that before we come to Christ we're so filled with what we think is right. We're so filled with things that are outside of God's perfect plan or design. The world is filled with people stealing what doesn't belong to them. The world is so filled with violence and fighting and selfishness and doing whatever man wants to do. It's so filled with meism. That's a new word for idolatry. That it cannot 
any longer see how God originally designed everything. You see, the truth of the matter is, is God designed this world in such an incredible way that when it was done, he said, it is good. It is very good. God knew exactly what he was doing, but the world is so far away from God's design and it's become so polluted that we can't see it any longer. I mean, the water has become really murky. Have you, have you ever gone to the Caribbean island? Anybody gone to a Caribbean? Let me see if you've gone to a Caribbean island. Yeah, man. You know, I grew up in Long Beach, and I love Long Beach. I mean, I, love, I, I live in Oceanside now, and I'm in Long Beach in the summertime. You could find me there two, three, four, five times a week. I go there early in the morning. I walk on the beach. I love, I just, it's just so peaceful. I love to watch, watch the water, you know. And, and to me, growing up in Long Beach, I thought, like, Long Beach was so beautiful. I thought, like, the water was cool. It was beautiful. And then I went to the Caribbean island, and I saw the water in the Caribbean island, and I could see my feet. I mean, it was awesome. I mean, I could walk in the water, and you could see right through the water and see how crystal blue and clear it was. So beautiful. But I thought that the beach in Long Beach, the water was so beautiful. I came back from the Caribbean. I was like, ooh. You walk in that water and it's murky. You can't see your feet. Have you ever walked in the, you know, even in the North Shore, you know, North Shore is even worse. I hate to tell you, but you walk in the North Shore, the beaches in the North Shore, and it's like it's murky and there's stuff underneath your feet. You're like, ooh, what am I touching right now? I can't see if there's something biting me right now. Because it's so polluted. You see, God doesn't want to steal your fun or your excitement. Young person, you know, when I talk about purity, I'm... I'm not talking about God trying to steal your fun or your excitement. He just wants you to see a world that's so different. You see, an outside of purity, you just, you can't see it. You've got glasses on. We all have, we all have glasses on. And our glasses have been tainted by sin. They've been tainted by what isn't perfect. It's so marred. It's so murky that we can't even see what is pure any longer. We can't see what is good. And so what is good has become wrong. What is good has become evil. What is good has become restrictive instead of liberating, instead of recognizing that what God designed is so beautiful and so pure and so majestic and so glorious. What God has designed is that two people would come together after they say, I do, and they live their life in faithfulness and self-control and right righteousness and gentleness and kindness serving one another in a way that is a reflection of God a reflection of the glory of God God created children beautiful children God created young ladies 
so that they might be majestic, beautiful young ladies, then they would keep themselves pure. Why? Because God designed you that way for a reason. He, he, he created young men who were men of valor, strong men who know that they're men, men of honor, men of integrity, men of their word. And when they tell a young lady that they love them, they're willing to wait for that young lady so that they can say, I do for the rest of their life. They will. Come on, somebody. That is powerful. And when we lose that, when we lose that in our country, when we lose that in the church of Jesus Christ, we have nothing to build our houses on. And when the waves come and the wind comes, it blows against the house and the house is destroyed. Why? Because it's not being built on moral integrity, virtue and honor and loyalty and faithfulness and self-control. Somebody help me out and tell me, yes, I'm with you today, Pastor Steve. You see, the world needs to see something different. See, he wants you to see a world, young person. Young person, don't buy the lie. Don't buy the lie. He wants you to see a world that is filled with real, authentic love. He wants you to see a world that is so beautiful because it's filled with honesty where people tell the truth, where what they say is what they really mean. He wants you to see a world filled with integrity where people live with conviction and honor. He wants you to see a world that's filled with unity, with justice and peace. Purity is a powerful word. It means unpolluted. It means untainted. It means whole. It means wholeness. It means uncorrupted. It means clean. How many of you like to be clean? How many of you like to be clean? The rest of you, the Board of Health will send you a letter soon. And the truth is, the government can't legislate morality. The church can't legislate morality. See. We've been looking for two entities, two organizations to legislate that which only each and every individual needs to legislate within their own hearts. The government can't legislate purity and integrity. John Piper, I, I read John Piper all the time. He's a Calvinist. I'm not a Calvinist, and I don't agree with everything, but, man, that, that dude is deep. And when I read the stuff that he writes, I'm like, dude, I'm in kindergarten when it comes to pastoring. Listen what he says. He says, my own conviction is that the foundational problem in American society and culture is that we attempt to solve human problems while neglecting the centrality of God in the life of the soul. We are so bombarded by human tragedies of poverty and crime and abuse and neglect and war and the manifold injustices of man to man that we are tempted to agree with the world that is useless pie in the sky by and by to be concerned with whether the soul will ever really see God. Whether the world will ever see righteousness, whether the world will ever see true purity and, and true honor and loyalty. But this is the greatest of all tragedies that we have settled for Something less 
than God's best. God has a plan for your life, and it includes purity, and it's big. That in seeking to relieve the temporal miseries of man, we set aside the centrality, the pureness of seeing God. We, we set aside the central truth that only God's design, God's plan, God's laws, God's intervention in a lost and fallen world that is far, far from what God intended for this world, that is polluted by selfishness and stained by sin, can ever give us any hope of a better life filled with true purity and honor and integrity and right living. Listen to me. I don't care what the world tells you, and I don't care what the media is trying to sell you, and I don't care what the enemy of your soul is trying to convince you of. This world is not enjoying what God intended. Sex outside of marriage is not what God intended. Homosexuality is not what God created. Adultery, running from one wife to the next wife, Divorce after a divorce is not what God intended for this world. And I'm not throwing stones at anyone because let me tell you, I understand my own wicked heart. And the thing that makes me shudder, the thing that scares me more than anything else is to preach to you and yet not understand my own sinfulness in my own heart. We're all in this thing together and no one is perfect. And no one is righteous enough to throw a stone at somebody else. He that is perfect, let him cast the first stone. And friend, I have no stones to cast to you because God knows the wickedness of my own heart. But this world is not what God intended. And we're being inundated today with lies. This world is not what God intended where we're being inundated by young ladies who have to sell themselves. Young ladies that at one time was created in the very image of God, but today they're being trafficked all over the world. And their pornography is filtering into our computers and it's stealing our intimacy with our wives. It's stealing our intimacy with husbands. It's stealing intimacy with families. Having to get high, to be happy, fighting to trust anyone in this world, learning how to isolate ourselves and isolate our broken hearts because of rejections, habits that bind us, addictions that strangle the life and cut out the holiness of God from our life and hurt us and cripple us is not what God intended in this life. Listen to me. He wants you, young person. He wants you to recapture the beauty of his majesty, of his creative, beautiful, grace-filled, holy ways of creating life. But the secret, listen to me, of seeing God is to be pure in heart. You see, when Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, he was first and primarily focusing on our hearts. Jesus said, it's not enough to clean the outside of our life. It's not enough to clean up our act on the outside. It's not enough to try harder. It's not enough to legislate morality with outward attempts to be holy. See, that, that's, what, that's what Jesus 
came to tell the religious people. The religious people, they were pretending like they were holy on the outside. And Jesus could look right past them and see what they were really like. And notice what he says to the religious people. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites. You know what a hypocrite is? The word hypocrite comes from the Greek, someone who puts a mask on, who pretends there's something that they're really not. And he says, woe to you, hypocrites. He says, for you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of extortion and self-centered self-indulgence. He says, you're blind. You can't even see what is pure and holy and righteous anymore. He said, blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and dish, then the outside of them will be clean also. He said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside you are full of dead man's bones and uncleanness. The aim of Jesus was not to reform the manner of society, listen to me, but to change the hearts of sinners like you and I. I'm going to say that again. The aim when Jesus came was not to reform society or the manner of society, but it was to change our hearts. Come on, somebody. Say amen. That's why Jesus said, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with desire... Anyone who looks at a woman that's not his wife with desire has already committed adultery in his heart. The heart is who you really are. When Jesus was talking about the heart, he wasn't talking about this physical organ. He was talking about the seat of your desire, the very core of what you desire more than anything else in your heart. It's the real you. It's your thoughts it's your real desires. And Jesus said, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. For out of the heart comes every evil thought, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These all defile a man because it's deep down in their heart. And the Bible says man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I can't fool God. I can put on my Sunday best. I can put on this nice tie, and I can preach a good sermon, but God knows what I'm thinking after I walk off this platform. Come on, somebody. Man looks at the outward, but God looks at the inward. In other words... It's the root that produces the fruit. It's the root that produces the fruit. That's why Jesus said, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So only God, only God, listen to me, only God can change our hearts. David understood this. When he cried out in Psalms 139, he said, search me, O God, and know my heart, know my thoughts. Try me and know my inner thoughts. So then what does it really mean to be pure in heart? Does it mean that we're perfect? Nobody, nobody's perfect in this room. We all fall short, the Bible says, of the, the glory of God. So we can never be perfect. And when, when, when Jesus said that we were to be pure in heart, and when Peter said, be ye holy even as God is holy, he wasn't talking about outward perfection. Doesn't mean that we'll never sin again. Doesn't mean that we'll never have a bad thought again. 
doesn't mean that we won't have certain feelings. Then what does it mean to be pure in heart? Well, actually, we find the answer in the Old Testament chapter in Psalms chapter 24. Notice what Psalms 24 says. This is so powerful. It says, who will ascend to the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Hey, friend, I don't know about you, but that makes me feel like I could never be in the presence of God. That doesn't give me a whole lot of hope until I get to the second part of this verse. I love this. He who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. So what is being pure in heart? I want to tell you what it really means to be pure in heart. Number one, the first thing it means is just to simply be honest with God, with yourself, and with others. To be deeply honest deep down in your heart to say, God, here's who I am. This is what I think. This is how I feel. This is where I struggle in my life. Here's what the Bible says. God resists the proud. And what is a proud man? A proud man is a liar. He's a deceitful person. You see, when the psalmist said that we can ascend to the hill of the Lord when we don't have deceitfulness in our heart, what he's really saying is, is that we're honest enough with God that we can come into his very presence. Why? Because he already knows that we're sinful. He already knows that we're not perfect. He already knows that we struggle. That's why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 that Jesus was tempted in every way like we are tempted so that he can know what we're going through so that we can have confidence. Why? Because Jesus went into the holy place and he took his own blood and he spilled it upon the mercy seat so that we could be sanctified positionally and we could be sanctified in the sight of God not only positionally but progressively in our life so that we don't come in our own righteousness but we come with the righteousness of Jesus Christ and we say Lord I still mess up Lord I'm still a knucklehead Lord I still do wrong but God I come with the precious blood of Jesus into your holy presence oh God have mercy on me and the Bible says when we do that, we can receive grace and mercy in a time of need. How many are thankful that we've got a Savior that saved us? We've got a Savior that keeps saving us every day of our life. It's by grace that we stand. Hallelujah. The answer is found. A person who does not lift up his soul, his inner desire, his heart, his thoughts, his real person. To what is not true, to what is false, to what is not completely transparent and honest. He doesn't live in denial. I love what it says in 1 John. It says, this is the message that we have heard from him who declares to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness. He says, and he that walks in the light. He will understand and he will have fellowship with one another and the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sins. If we say that we do not struggle, if we say that we do not sin, we make him out to be a liar and the truth is not in us. But if we confess, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all. 
A pure heart is an honest heart. It doesn't pretend that it's holy. A pure heart is painstakingly true and honest about what's really happening deep down in our heart. It's a hypocrite that acts like everything's all right on the outside, but is doing something different on the inside. So how do you get a pure heart? Well, obviously, it's a work of God. How do you get a pure heart? It's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's a work of surrendering to God. It's a work of the finished cross of Christ. It's a work of grace. But I believe it's also, it's a decision that we make in our life. You see, Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. He said, who will you serve? And so we've got to ask ourselves the question, what is the center of our affection? Who will be the Lord of our life? See, I believe, secondly, a pure heart is a person who has a single-mindedness about what they're going to do in life. Listen, James says, a double-minded man is unstable in all their ways. And James goes on to say in James chapter 4, he said, you double-minded people... He said, you double-minded men and women, he said, make up your mind who you will serve. Cleanse your hands and cleanse your hearts. Why did he say that? He was looking at Psalms 24, and he was recognizing that the way that we overcome sin in our life is, number one, we surrender to the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that does that work in us. But we also make a choice today who we're going to serve. We make a choice. Who is going to be Lord in our life? We make a choice. Are are we going to make idols in our life or are we going to make God the source of our affection in our life? Blessed is the pure in heart for they shall see God. How many of you want to see God? Purity of heart is to will one thing and only one thing. To will one thing and only one thing. That's why Jesus said the secret of purity is found in loving God with all of our hearts. He said, what What are all the commandments? What are they all about? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's why Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The lamp of the body is the eye. Listen to me. If therefore the eye is good, the whole body will be full of light. What's he talking about? He's talking about single focus. Why do I know that? Because in verse 24, he says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and anything else in your life. And I'm going to tell you, I came to this church all my life. I started coming to this church when I was six years old. And as a teenager, I I had no power in my life to overcome sin in my life. You know why? Because I didn't make up my mind. 16, 17, 18 years old. I was double-minded. I didn't know, did I want to serve God? or Did did I really want to be in the world? Did I want to surrender my whole life or just my Sunday life to God? And I found that it's... It was so frustrating because I'd come to church on Sunday morning and I'd cry my eyeballs out and I'd repent of my sins. 
And I'd go back out and do it again. Why? Because I didn't have a single heart. I didn't make up my mind who was going to be Lord of my life. That's why Jesus said, listen, before you come to the altar, before you say, I want Jesus in my life, you have to decide to pick up your cross, a place of death, deny yourself, and come follow him 100%. What was the difference in my life? The difference was in my life when I was 19 years old, I said, I quit God. I quit trying to do it on my own, God. I quit trying to have, find peace and happiness in the world, God. And God, I bring you my whole heart, and I'm going to serve you with everything that I have within me. And one day at a time, for 34 years, I've been bringing my heart back to God. Sometimes it's a broken heart. Sometimes it's a corrupt heart. Sometimes it's a jealous heart. Sometimes it's a lustful heart. Sometimes it's a heart that's discouraged. Sometimes it's a heart that's so broken that I don't know what to do but I bring it to the foot of the cross and I say take my heart Jesus it's all yours and every day Jesus gives me the power and the strength one day at a time to serve him so that I can put one day in front of another day and serve him for the rest of my life Listen to me, we must reclaim purity of heart once again in our lives, in our marriage, in our family, in our relationship, in our business dealings, and in our children. Church, as the worship team comes, we have lost the beauty, the majesty, the power of purity in our lives. We've lost the power of purity in the church and in our homes. And as a result, we can't see the beauty of God any longer. For those who are not holy will not see God. Did all the pure in heart, for they shall see God. See, when you're pure in heart, the greatest thing of all is you get access to God on a daily basis. Not only do you get access to God, man, it's just an incredible thing when you have this incredible, incredible walk with God. But not only do you have access to the presence of God, but when you're walking in purity, you have this awe of the glory of God. You taste of the goodness of the Lord and you never want to go back again. Nothing can satisfy again. There's no sin in the world that can satisfy being in the very presence of God, experiencing the glory of God in His holiness, in His beauty, in His might, in His power, in His grace, the beauty of His holiness. But not only do you get to get into the presence of God and you have this awe of the beauty of God, He looks so beautiful to God. The Bible says to the pure, all things look pure. To the impure, nothing looks pure. God doesn't, listen to me, when you're impure, you can't love God. When you have impurity in your life, you can't love God because you don't see a God who is pure. You don't see the beauty of God. That's why some people who are Christians, they, they still question God. They still get angry at God. They still wonder why God does certain things because they haven't seen the beauty of God. Only the pure of heart can see God.
When you have a pure heart, not only are you able to see God in the right way, but listen to me. But you're also able to see the grace of God in your life on a way that you've never seen it before. When you, when you walk in purity of heart, God's grace, the powerful grace of his presence. Listen what Psalms 27 says. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud and be gracious to me and answer me. Hide not your face from me. He said, oh God, he said, when you shine your face on me and when I see you, your grace gives me strength to overcome sin in my life. And lastly, when, when we're holy, then we, we get to see, listen to me, we get to see God. You know, the Bible says because we have this hope of glory, that one day Jesus is going to come back again. And we don't want to be ashamed at his appearance. Let me tell you, friends, I don't want to be embarrassed when Jesus comes. I don't want Jesus to say to me, man, you made it by the skin of your teeth. You accepted me as your Savior, but you did nothing with the grace that I gave you. You were self-centered. You were selfish. You didn't give tithes and offering. You sinned in giving and not giving. You didn't really live a holy life. You didn't, you didn't express who I was to this world. You had sloppy agape, sloppy grace. I don't want to be embarrassed. But here's what the Bible says. Because we have this incredible hope that Christ is coming and we're going to see him face to face, the Bible says we purify ourselves in hopes that it doth not appear what we shall be like. But when we see him face to face, we shall be like him. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. Hallelujah. I want him to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. I want him to say, man, you did it not because of your own strength, but you did it because you brought your heart to me every day. And I was able to take that heart of stone and turn it into a heart of flesh. And you surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And you surrendered to the grace of God. And you made the world see me in the beauty of who I am. Hallelujah. Let your light so shine amongst men that they might see your good works of excellence, of moral value and honor and loyalty and faithfulness and self-control and goodness and righteousness and the things of God so that they might glorify God. I want to be a reflection of God today. How about you? How many of you want to be a reflection of God today? Listen, church, Young person, the world has lied to you. Because you see, let me show you something. I need a volunteer. Can I have a young person come, a young volunteer to come right now? Anybody? Come quickly. Come on. Come on up here. All right. So 4.30 this morning, I, I woke up and ah, I couldn't sleep. I got to be honest with you on Sunday mornings. It's hard for me to sleep. I get a couple hours of sleep, I'm ready to preach. Listen, if you were here at 4.30 in the morning, I'd preach to you. I got up this morning and the Holy Spirit just began to talk to me. And he began to show me something so powerful. And I ran in the kitchen and I, I got this out and I said, honey, I need to borrow this. <laughs> but you see, when we talk about purity, the world has told you that purity is a bad thing. It's a boring thing. It's going to take away your fun. But here, see, this is clear water. 
Now, would you drink this water, this clear water? You drink this, right? Yeah, you trust me, right? If I tell you this is good water, all right? Okay. So I have clear water, beautiful water. But you know, you see this dirt right here? This dirt's from the ground. And you were created from the ground, right? So dirt, okay? I can put it in there, okay? So, hey, drink that. Go ahead. No, I got to drink it. Drink. Come on, drink it. Come on, drink it. Why don't you want to drink it? Because it's dirty. It's dirty. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And listen to me. In God's love for you, young people, in God's mercy for you, he gave you something that is so precious that the enemy has distorted it to think it's something bad, but it's something good. It's called a filter. So you could take dirty water and you could put it in the filter and you could filter that dirty water. What's the filter? The filter is purity. Why? Because purity will keep you pure. Purity will keep you healthy. Purity will keep you strong. You don't want to drink polluted water. It's bad. It's no good. You want to drink good, pure water. That's why he gave you the filter of purity as a gift to you young person don't ever look at God as being a cosmic killjoy look at him as your heavenly father who would never want you to drink polluted water what is purity purity is doing it God's way so here here's a bottle of water drink it go ahead drink it drink it it. enjoy it give her a big hand thank you Thank you. Go ahead. You sit down. You know, I'm going to close right here. But purity is not just about being sexually pure. Purity is what happens in our heart. Purity has to do with integrity of heart. It's not just outward acts of unrighteousness and let me just tell you about sex for a moment sex is very powerful it's so powerful young ladies God gave you the gift of sex young men God gave you the gift of sex so one day you would look at your husband or your wife and say I do for the rest of my life and then God takes two people they call it intimacy Human beings are the only ones who look at themselves and each other when they enter into that sexual union. And sex becomes the Velcro that sticks you together and binds you together, soul, spirit, and body. And the two become one. And see, that's why it's so painful when you have sex outside of marriage. Because you give yourself to someone and when that person's not committed to you, it, you get pulled away. But you gave him part of yourself. You gave him part of your spirit. You gave him part of your emotions. You said, I will give something. You know, I had a young man in my youth group, and I was so proud of him. This young man said to me, Pastor Steve, I'm going to be a virgin until I get married. His friends laughed at him. He said, I'm going to commit to one person for the rest of my life. Why? He says, because when I get married on my honeymoon, I want it to be good. I want fireworks to go off. You see here, here's what happens. 
When you have sex with people, it's like Velcro. The more sex you have, listen to me, the more the Velcro doesn't stick anymore. Doesn't stick anymore. There's no excitement. There's no joy. Why? Because you did it so much that there's nothing majestic and beautiful and holy and pure about it any longer. But God gave it to you so that you could become one with that other person. But it's not just about sex. It's about purity of heart. It's about our motives and our intentions. And only God can keep us pure. So I'm telling you today, God wants to raise up a generation of young people who say, I want to do it God's way, in God's timing, in God's way. I'm going to serve him with purity, integrity of heart. Because I want the world to see something different. And if you fail, maybe you've already fallen, maybe you've already failed, you could come to the foot of the cross and you could receive mercy. And God will wipe away your sins and purify your life. But I'm going to call young people right now. You say, I want to see something different in my lifetime. I want to be a part of that generation that has moral integrity on the inside. If that's you, I want you to stand to your feet right now. I want to see that young generation stand right now. Come on, if you're between the ages of 18 to 35 and you say, I want to live differently, I want you to stand right now. Come on, 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 stand up, come on, come on, stand up, come on, you can do it. I'm telling you, God has a plan for your life, and it's big. And if you go God's way, and you do it in God's way, God will bless your socks off. Hallelujah. I want you to stay standing, you warriors, you mighty men and women of God. I want you to start, stay standing. You say, husband, I'm going to talk to the fathers in this place today, because dad, I'm going to tell you something right now. You're the key to purity in your home. You're the key of moral excellence in your home. And you say, Pastor, I want to live a moral and excellent life. Not by my own strength, but by the grace of God one day at a time. I'm going to live a moral, excellent life. I want you to stand right now. Come on, Father, husband, stand to your feet right now. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Stand to your feet right now. Come on. All over this place. All over this place. All over this place. All over this place. Maybe... You're a woman today. You say, Pastor Steve, you hit me right between the eyes today. I'm not talking about sexual sin alone. I'm talking about being pure in our motives, in our agendas of our heart, making God the center of our life, committing everything to God, making sure that you commit your life to God, that no matter what happens, you're going to stay faithful to his word. No matter what he says, I'm going to trust God's word. If that's you today and you're a woman, I want you to stand to your feet and say right now, I'm going to maintain purity of heart in my life. I want to talk to the singles in this room today. You're single. You're not married. Let me tell you something. Purity doesn't happen because you've got a spouse. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something right now. When I was a young adult, and I, I'm, I'm as transparent as I can be, I got nothing to prove to anybody. When I was a young adult, I gave my life to the Lord when I was 19 years old. And man, did I struggle. I struggle in the area of keeping myself pure. But let me tell you, one day at a time, I was an overcomer. Now listen, 
I want to tell you something. The Holy Spirit showed me something when I was engaged to my wife. The Holy Spirit showed me if I don't control my desires in my life, no matter what they are, but if I don't learn how to control my desires in my life for sex outside of marriage, when I get married, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go from sex outside of marriage to adultery. So I had to overcome one day at a time because God wanted to show me that I needed to be an overcomer right where I was in my life. Not looking to saying, if I'm married, if I get married, that'll take away the temptation. Because marriage does not take away any temptation. I'm going to tell you why. Because sin is in the heart. And purity is in the heart. How many of you are ready to trust Jesus in this life of purity? In this life of purity. If you fall, get back up again. If you fall seven times, get back up again. Because God will be there every single time, giving you the grace to get back up again. Would you raise your hands with me right now and pray this prayer with me right now? Father, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you that you attempted in all ways like I am tempted but without sin so that I can come to you you can know what I'm going through and I can receive grace and power and strength in my life one day at a time and if I should fall you're going to be right there to pick me back up again Lord, I am more than a conqueror. By your grace, I will live a different life. I will live differently than the world. I will show the world what it looks like to be a person of moral excellence. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, and everybody said, come on, give the Lord a clap offering. Somebody give the Lord a clap offering today. Come on, sing it. I give myself away. Can you me? I give myself away. Raise your hand, sing it. I give it all away. I give myself away. So you can use me. I give myself away. Pastor Steve, I'm not certain if I died today, I'd go to heaven. And I need Jesus Christ to be the Savior of my life. Listen, I'm going to be standing right here. 
And if you'd like to give your life to Jesus today, if you say, I'm not certain that if I die today, I'd go to heaven, and I need to get right with God today, I want to meet you right here. I want to give you a big hug. I want to pray for you. Somebody wants to give you some information to help you on your journey of faith. Don't forget, God has a plan for your life, and it's big. I love you. Have a great day in Jesus. Love you. Have a great day in Jesus.